This is the Reformanda Initiative podcast, where we analyze and discuss Roman Catholic theology and practice from an evangelical perspective. My name is Clay Kennard, and I'm here with my co-host and brothers in Christ, Dr. Leonardo Di Chirico and Reed Carr. We are gearing up to begin recording the second season of our podcast, but uh, we did not want to leave you all without some new content during the summer. So here we are. We, we had a previous episode, episode with uh, Tim Chalice. If you haven't seen that yet, go check that out. And today we've got a special episode for you as well. And we want to begin this episode with a quote from a very famous uh, and influential theologian. And it goes like this. We have all heard the gospel presented as God's triumphant answer to human problems. Problems of our relation with ourselves and our fellow humans and our environment. Well, there is no doubt that the gospel does bring us solutions to these problems, but it does so by first solving a deeper problem, the deepest of all human problems, the problem of man's relation with his maker. And unless we make it plain that the solution of these former problems depends on the settling of this latter one, we are misrepresenting the message and becoming false witnesses of God. For a half-truth presented as if it were the whole truth becomes something of a falsehood by that very fact. So that is the end of a quote from a very famous book by the title, Knowing God, written by J.I. Packer. So why did we choose this quote to begin our episode this morning? What does J.I. Packer have to do with our episode? Read, why don't you fill us in on, on the topic for today's episode? Sure. Thanks, Clay. Uh, yes, in this episode, um, we want to commemorate uh, and remember the life of a giant in the evangelical world, J.I. Packer, who in July of this year, so just last month, um, passed away just before his 94th birthday. So he lived a very full life by the grace of God, and the um, Lord used him greatly for uh, his kingdom and, and for the, just for the, yeah, for the growth of the evangelical church, uh, really. So uh, it's an honor to, to be able to speak about him in this podcast. One thing we do want to highlight, however, as well as we commemorate his life is uh, his stances and views on Roman Catholicism. And of course, this with this podcast addressing uh, Roman Catholic theology from an evangelical perspective, uh, it will be helpful to examine a little bit on his his stances on um, Roman Catholicism. Quick piece of trivia. What does J.I. stand for, guys? You know, yeah, James. And now, yeah, James and Nell Packer. Packer. So yeah. I never knew the J, the I part of it. I heard Jim Packer, but that's new um, for me. Yeah. So he, he's a, a giant in the faith and we want to um, remember him with this podcast and, and just talk about a little bit of his uh, theology. You know, Clay read that quote saying that the gospel is the answer to life's problems. And J.I. Packer with his life did unfold help the evangelical church to, to unpack that and, and to see how the gospel does respond to life's problems and how it is the answer to life's problems. But that gospel message is very specific and it has to be upheld and maintained and defended. And so uh, we're thankful for how the Lord used uh, his life and in, in doing just that. Um, I want to, Leo just recently wrote a, an article uh, on James, James I. Pack, J. I. Packer responding to uh, his life, um, reflecting on it, and also responding to his stances on uh, Roman Catholic theology. I want to I want to take a quick quote from Leo's article. He says, um, "I consider James Jim Packer to be a father of present day evangelical theology, along whose trajectory I also wish and hope to be identified." 
Uh, the, in fact, the article starts off saying the global church owes a debt of gratitude to J.I. Packer, who lived uh, from 1926 to 2020, again, in the service of the Lord. Uh, Leo, share for us just a, briefly, you know, what, what influenced that, that part of your article? Why do you consider J.I. Packer to be a father of present-day evangelical theology? Well, he belonged to the generation of evangelical theologians after Second World War. And when, at the time when evangelical theology was not recognized and there were not, there were not many professional theologians in the academy and theology as such was not considered as a primary task in most many churches. And J.A. Packer uh, fought the battles uh, against liberalism in the 50s and early 60s in writing books on defending the authority and inerrancy of scripture. And he was also very influential in the process that led to the Chicago Statement on the Inerrancy of the Bible in 1978 and uh, as well as helping the evangelical church to um, think of itself as connected with the historical uh, evangelical church of uh, uh, the past. Uh, So he was also a scholar of Puritan uh, theology and helped many uh, students to appreciate the legacy of the Puritans and their relevance for today's uh, Christian life. And, uh, but more popularly, he has uh, greatly impacted uh, two, if not three, generations of evangelicals uh, in, in his book, uh, Knowing God, uh, from which uh, Clay quoted at the beginning of the podcast. Uh, he, uh, this book has been by far, I think, the, one of the few uh, bestsellers in, written by an evangelical theologians uh, over the last uh, 40 years. And uh, I am also being impacted by that book uh, as I read it in my, in my youth, and it helped me to uh, shape uh, my faith uh, in a theocentric uh, way. Today, uh, people talk about having a big God theology. Well, J. A. Packer uh, advocated for and taught and uh, uh, wrote about this big God theology, the God of the Bible, the God, the triune God, uh, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and help people to approach uh, the Holy God in wonder and in faith. And so for that, for that, for those reasons, uh, the legacy of Packer is a very relevant and outstanding one in our present day age. His name is often mentioned with other theological giants of his time, Carl Henry, who passed away in 2003, John Stott, who passed away in 2011, and now J.I. Packer, who has passed away uh, just last month. Uh, So thank the Lord for these men who have... um, yeah, we're such a great service to, to the kingdom and, and to the gospel. And as you mentioned, to the word of, word of God. Um, now, this particular episode, we want to highlight some of uh, Packer's uh, stances and views and involvement with um, Roman Catholic theology. 
uh, obviously, uh, you meant you say it well, Leo, in your blog, uh, in your blog post, that you would like, in, and with your with your blog, you critique one minor, albeit significant, instance of his theological involvement. In this case, with Roman Catholicism, but it's um, obviously doesn't remove the respect that we have for for him and how he um, served the kingdom. But it is worth noting for uh, evangelicals to to understand better. Uh, his involvement, a, a theological giant such as him, uh, who was so instrumental in the gospel, uh, you know, understanding the complexities of, of his involvement in Roman Catholic, Catholic theology, specifically with the Evangelicals and Catholics Together initiative. Um, pulling another quote from your article, Leo, which is a good segue into this part of our discussion, you said, it is no secret that in Packer's theological biography, his involvement with the Evangelicals and Catholics Together initiative has puzzled many of his admirers. How such a solid theologian could be prone to sign theologically blurred documents and encourage confusing ecumenical, ecumenical activities has been a standing question in many people's minds. So the purpose of your article is to discuss those reasons. Um, first of all, if you don't mind, just briefly, because Packer's involvement uh, with Roman Catholicism and interaction with it was largely, if not exclusively, through evangelicals, the Evangelicals and Catholics Together initiative, could you just give us a quick overview of exactly what that initiative is, who started and what its purpose was before we get into the, the details? Yeah, well, uh, as, as, you, as you probably know, at one point of his life, Packer left uh, the United Kingdom and uh, went to Canada uh, teaching at Regent College in Vancouver and began uh, his life in, in North America. And so he began to be involved in uh, uh, theological discussions taking place in, North, in the North American context. And uh, in the early 90s, he was involved by uh, people uh, as uh, Chuck Colson and Richard Neuhaus in this Evangelicals and Catholics Together initiative. Uh, the context of the early 90s was the uh, so-called cultural wars uh, in North American society, issues uh, related to uh, ethical issues, euthanasia, abortion, and uh, uh, others. Um, those issues saw the convergence of uh, evangelicals and Catholics uh, together fighting for, uh, for life, for uh, life issues, for the protection of the unborn life, and so on. The Evangelicals and Catholics Together initiative sought to uh, take that conversation a step further, further than collaboration on specific points towards a kind of theological common framework, um, uh, making it possible. So realizing that on the ground there were uh, significant uh, points of collaboration, uh, the, this Colson and, and Neuhaus involving Packer and others wanted to argue that these, uh, uh, this collaboration was possible because there was a common, uh, uh, a common root and creedal basis uh, between evangelicals and Catholics making it possible. And so they wanted to explore it, they wanted to celebrate it, they wanted to advocate for it. And Packer uh, 
became involved in these discussions and signed not only that particular document, the uh, ECT, Evangelicals and Catholics Together, uh, in 1994, but the, the following eight documents that came uh, out of that initiative, because it was not just a once uh, one-off uh, document, it was the beginning of a series that is still going on. And Packer signed eight of these documents covering different aspects of uh, this inter, um, evangelical and Catholic intersection or dialogue. And so uh, for a theologian that had fought uh, the battles over the Bible, over the authority of scripture, over the... Uh, uh, you know, the atonement of Jesus over the importance of having a proper uh, view of God in order to approach him uh, biblically. It is, it is, and it was, and it still is uh, awkward to see him um, being involved, to, to see him having been involved in this uh, ecumenical initiative that... Uh, Blurs, as you said, blur tends to blur uh, differences, tend to sentimentalize uh, the uh, distinctives, and tends to give the idea that evangelicals and Catholics they stand together on the common confession of the gospel. So, thankfully, Packer didn't leave uh, anyone in the dark concerning why. He signed. In fact, he wrote uh, an article, if I'm not mistaken, called "Why I Signed It." Yeah. Um, and so, before before jumping into the the critique of, of that, uh, could you help us understand exactly what were the main points provided in that document of why he signed it? You know, you you said well, and you also pointed out in your article that many evangelicals over the years. You, this started in 1994. There's been eight documents at least that have been proposed and signed. Um, it's still ongoing. It's a still ongoing initiative. And many evangelicals have kind of, a lot of them fail, cease to continue signing many of the documents because of its theological um, blurriness, I guess. And But Packer continued to, to sign them. But it's so you, it leaves you scratching your head a little bit on why such a bulwark of the evangelical faith uh, continued to, to see the value in it. But he was very clear about it. So what were those reasons he gave for, for why he signed it? Yeah, uh, it's um, uh, it, it's curious to notice that on the one hand, uh, Packer was very clear in his assessment of Catholicism as a flawed uh, theological system. Mm. And uh, so he went uh, on print in saying that Catholicism as a system uh, is unacceptable and uh, it is theologically flawed especially because it misconceives the nature of the church. It blurs justification by faith and attaches infallibility to church pronouncements. These are very heavy assessments, uh, giving the impression that he, he was very clear in his uh, overall evaluation of Catholicism. But what is curious is that at the same time, he wants to argue that uh, uh, at the level of unofficial, friendly, informal conversations 
things may change. Then uh, if we approach Catholicism from the institutional, hierarchical, official uh, route. And so uh, dealing with partners, individual partners who uh, were Roman Catholics, but who showed, uh, you know, signs of being awakened uh, in the spirit gave Packer the uh, desire to get involved in this uh, conversation. And then he also took advantage of the fact that uh, he had seen uh, this kind of um, cooperation or theological interaction with Catholics uh, taking place in uh, some of the Billy Graham's uh, evangelistic campaigns, which did not distinguish between uh, Protestant and Catholic uh, churches or partners, but wanted to have a, a unified uh, uh, supporting base for those campaigns. And also he mentions the fact that in the charismatic wing of the church, uh, the distinctions between Protestants and Catholics uh, had become blurred. And so he was uh, showing that he himself, on the one hand, was clear in his theological assessment, but on the other hand, he was confused, uh, giving credit to some of these uh, uh, critical uh, openings coming out of the uh, grassroots collaboration between evangelicals and Catholics, evangelistic campaigns run by the Billy Graham Association, and the experience of the charismatic movements um, that was uh, becoming significant in those in those decades. So, uh, with all that, with all that said, and and in, in light of the reasons he gave for for signing the those documents and and being involved with it and being a collaborator in this initiative, uh, you provided some very clear insights of critiques on on. Your, from your perspective, you read quite extensively uh, his involvement in it, his thoughts on it. Um, you know well the ECT initiative and, and what they were striving to accomplish. What critiques can we as evangelicals provide on, on you know, humbly provide on uh, a life of the magnitude of J.I. Packer and his involvement yeah. in, in this initiative? Yeah, yeah. I think that Packer himself actually... Uh, wrote a very significant uh, critique of the same things that he was advocating uh, uh, at the same time. So I'm not building my own, you know, critical argument against Packer, but I, I, I give evidence to the fact that Packer himself, uh, as he was involved in those dialogues, uh, did provide some uh, critique that, uh, in my view, is uh, very sharp and uh, ultimately makes his involvement in these uh, endeavors uh, inconsistent. Uh, so I'm, I'm quoting uh, Packer in uh, criticizing what Packer himself did in the ECT initiative. Um, so and I'm referring to a paper that he published uh, written together with Michael Horton 
And is this what you refer to as resolutions? You resolutions? That's exactly. That's a, the title is Resolutions for Roman Catholic and Evangelical Dialogue, which was written the same year after Packer signed ECT. So it's something that comes from the same pen uh, and comes from the same theologian. And uh, it gives a very sharp critique of ECT, and yet not to the point of making Packer changing his mind. So it's a kind of comp it's a kind of a complex situation here taking place. A giant uh, entering a very um, uh, ecumenical path, and at the same time realizing that what he was doing uh, was not consistent with uh, his gospel uh, standpoint, but at the same time not making uh, him to decide to stop his involvement in ECT. For instance, uh, he gives uh, several, at least seven points um, that needs need to be carefully considered. Uh, the first one has to do with the fact he, I'm quoting Packer, is he argues that while both evangelicals and Roman Catholics affirm the ecumenical creeds, that is the creeds of the ancient church, Nicaea, uh, Chalcedon, and so on. We do not see, Packer says, we do not see this Catholic consensus agreement as a sufficient basis for declaring that agreement exists on all the essential elements of the gospel. So, there is a recognition that evangelicals and Catholics, they do refer to the same creeds, but that, this reference doesn't mean that they, there is an agreement on the essential elements of the gospel. Because in affirming the creeds, evangelicals and Catholics understand the creeds in a different way. And so the end result is not a perfect or sufficient agreement on the gospel, but is actually a convergence in the language used to express those creeds. On the contrary, ECT uh, makes a great deal of saying that because we share the same common creedal basis, we share the same uh, common confession of the gospel. You see, you see the contradiction here. On the one hand, with ECT, he says, we share the same basic gospel. On the other, he says that sharing the creeds is not, does not equal with sharing the same gospel. So there is, there is a uh, dissonance here. Uh, another point, for instance, has to do with the place of an importance of justification by faith alone. Uh, in these resolutions, Packer writes, Packer writes, why gladly noting in modern Roman Catholic exposition a growing emphasis on Christ and the biblical promises as objects of faith and trust, we see justification by faith alone as an essential of the gospel on which radical disagreement continues and we deny the adequacy of any version of the gospel that falls short at, of, at this point. These are very important words. And yet ECT um, includes a document on justification by faith signed by Catholic and evangelical uh, 
theologians, which says the contrary. It says that we, on justification by faith, we basically are saying the same thing with different nuances and uh, colors. But as far as the main content is concerned, is concerned, we say the same thing. The Packer has just said that this is not the case, but ECT says that this is the case. You see, there is another instance of uh, inconsistency here right. from Packer himself. You know, I'm not saying I am saying that he was wrong. He himself realized that what he was on the one hand signing was wrong and inconsistent mm -hmm. with a classical historic Protestant theology. So to summarize uh, what you propose in your document, as far as the critique side of things, is it comes from Packer's own words. You're not inventing anything. It's, and yeah. he, he, he expresses himself well and clearly in this, was it a book or an article called Resolutions or was it a series of papers or? Yeah, it's an article. It's a long article. Okay. Uh, so, the, so an article called Resolutions that has and, and evidences a lot of inconsistencies and incompatible qualities with uh, the ECT document yeah. that was signed. So it's, it's looking at what Packer wrote himself and saying, hey, this doesn't, yeah. this doesn't, you know, I think, and I think another key thing that you mentioned that uh, underlies uh, this critique is, and just to restate it, is that the problem enters whenever you begin to seek a theological, a common theological framework with Roman Catholicism. That's a big difference uh, than what, for example, Francis Schaeffer proposed with um, co-belligerent activities and, and initiatives that we can be involved in. But when you begin to seek a theological common framework, which the Evangelicals and Catholics Together initiative ends up doing, then it becomes incompatible. And it was as if um, Packer was realizing that, but still become remaining involved with the initiative, which leaves you scratching your head. Um, now, you know, Leo's articles for our listener, for our listeners, if you go to vaticanbiles.org, uh, you can read the other five points that are the other five critique points that are, are shared here. But let me, let, let us conclude with, with this question, uh, for, uh, for both of you looking at J.I. Packer's stances and understandings and involvement with Roman Catholicism. Is there any, is there anything the evangelical church and the evangelical uh, individual can glean from from his efforts, uh, or is it mostly to be um, approached with caution and avoided? Well, you see, he, um, um, I admire you know Jay Packer, and I said I, I wish I, I could be identified as uh, in the line as working in the line and serving in the line of Jay Packer, but I I understand that. When it, came, it comes to uh, talking about ecclesiology, the doctrine of the church, the practice of the church, it, uh, this is the less convincing aspect of his theology. Uh, in, 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 in the 50s and early 60s, Packer was also involved in a series of conversations when he was in England back in, in those years in conversations with uh, Anglo-Catholics of the uh, Anglican Church, of the Church of England. And so uh, imagining a 
reunion of the evangelical and the Anglo-Catholic wings of the Church of England over against the liberal uh, wing. And so uh, even in those uh, um, efforts, Packer gave evidence of a um, unaccomplished uh, um, evangelical ecclesiology view of the church. He was very strong on scripture, theology proper, salvation, uh, spirituality. He was very strong on most uh, tenets of the, uh, of the evangelical theology. But when it came to uh, the church, uh, and especially the way in which it relates with bodies around her, uh, ecumenical issues, uh, inter-ecclesial issues. This is the point, the, the weakest point in his theology. And I think that his inconsistency uh, in, his, in his dealing with uh, um, Roman Catholicism stems from this uh, wider weakness in his theology. Perhaps there were some pragmatic reasons for his um, being involved in evangelical Catholic and Catholics together as a result of this. Yeah, I think that the uh, the the main the main issue there, I think, is his Anglican uh, heritage. You know, uh, evangelical Anglicans are very strong in many important aspects of the. Of the faith, you know, even John Stott and many others. But when it comes to the church, uh, there are some uh, critical issues going on there. The Church of England is a uh, is a universe that contains all kinds of different shades and uh, directions. And in order to accommodate and to be identified with this. A uh, very complex body. Um, you must uh, somehow have a kind of elastic, uh, liquid ecclesiology. That, when it comes to your uh, your relationship with Roman Catholicism, translates into having a, a more liquid, elastic, and not always alert uh, approach. And so, I think the weakness of shown by Packer, uh, has to do with his uh, problematic ecclesiology. Well, we've, we've talked in the past, like we, we desire dialogue and we desire unity as well. The, the desire for unity is something that the Lord has placed in our hearts. Um, but unity in what? And we, we've said in many of our previous episodes, it's in the gospel. So I am also very grateful to, to Packer and uh, his heritage and his works that the Lord has also used in my life. But I would return back to the uh, kind of a, the quote that was mentioned at the beginning of the podcast, where he says a half truth masquerading as the whole truth ultimately becomes a complete untruth. Uh, and it seems like he totally understood Roman Catholicism to be uh, masking, masquerading around as, as, as the truth and being in fact far from that. Uh, so I'm grateful for uh, for your work, Leonardo, and for your pointing out in the way that you did his inconsistencies. I think it's very helpful for uh, the evangelical church today as we celebrate um, as we celebrate 
J.I. Packer's lives and his contribution to the global church uh, to also remember that um, we need to always be uh, alert. We always need to practice discernment and ask the Lord to help us preserve uh, what is truth and to pursue unity in in that truth. So um, I, I don't have anything else to add, Reed. Yeah, I think, uh, I think, you know, we've, the podcast has served its purpose is just, uh, you know, it's important as evangelicals to, to critique each other as, uh, and, and love and respect uh, as we hope and would desire to be critiqued ourselves. And Lord knows there's plenty to critique, um, but we do um, do do so with the utmost respect for uh, Jack Packer and how the Lord used his life for uh, his kingdom and for his glory and for the uh, spread of the gospel. So um, we're, we're thankful for that. And, yeah, thank you, Leo, for the work you've done on it and the insight you provided. And again, our listeners can uh, read the the rest of the article on on the Vatican Files uh, website, which can also be found through the ReformandInitiative.org website. But Clay, any any concluding remarks or information for our listeners before we sign off? Yeah, we mentioned at the beginning of the episode that we're going to be launching season two um, this fall. So we'd appreciate your prayers. I wanted to give a shout out to Alex who follows us on Facebook, who uh, has uh, been a big encouragement. There's several of you actually that have been a big encouragement for us by engaging our post and sharing our post on Facebook. But Alex, one of the things he specifically asked us to cover potentially next season could be, for example, the, the history of the papal development uh, and continuing to put more of a framework for Roman Catholicism's push for ecumenism. And so I just want to let our listeners know that we intend to do that. I wanted to answer Alex specifically quickly, though. Um, Leonardo has written a book. It's called A Christian's Pocket Guide to the Papacy. Uh, it was published in 2000 and Leo, help 15, me out here. 15. 15. All right. You can actually find that on Amazon.com. I'll put a link to it in our episode notes along with the link to the Vatican Files. But you can order that in paperback. It's available on Kindle. Or there's even an audiobook for it through Audible. So would I, I would encourage our listeners to check that out. There's another pocket guide out there to Mary to help uh, evangelicals understand Mariology and the development of that. So, um, yeah, other than that, just continue to follow our, our uh, social media. Continue to share our podcasts. If you have any questions, send us an email or a message on, um, on social media, and we'll be happy to respond to you. Clay, so, just I would, add, I would add to our listeners, as Alex did, as, as we've asked in the past, to submit your ideas for what you'd like us to discuss as well. I mean, we're here to for you and to answer your questions and better equip you in any way that we're at least able to. So um, email us and let us know what you would help you to understand Roman Catholic theology and practice better. Awesome. Gentlemen, enjoy the rest of your day. And to all of our listeners, until next time, God bless. Thanks.